0: Oh, welcome in the latest episode of that sec podcast i'm your host michael Brennan. i go by sec Mike on twitter and i'm joined as always by my cousin shane who goes by big orange balls on twitter what do you do you big tennessee homer <laughs> hey, man, What's going on? Oh, man! I'm feeling good over here. We've got some great mailbag questions. Reached out to our buddy Zach Goodall, aka the man with the, the, man the golden with locks, the golden hair, to talk some uh, <laughs> Florida Gators. And we do got a little bit of news around the SEC. So this is gonna be a loaded show, my man. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, man. I'm glad you got him on. the The Florida's been a hot topic, man. Everybody. Talked about it during the draft. They talked about it before the draft, after the spring game. You know, that's going to be – that's one of those programs that we've got a lot of question marks floating around, Mike. So, I'm glad you got him on – uh, but other than that, brother, I've been great, man. We just got out. Uh, we, Me and my wife, we went out for a nice steak dinner, and Mike <laughs> wanted to pod before them because he knew I'd be ready to nap after, you know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know them ladies, when they get hangry, you got to get going. So uh, other than that, man, doing fantastic, brother.
0: Yeah. Well, all right, man. Well, let's get to it. And real quick, I want to shout out, Shane. Remember, I, I wouldn't say I was calling out the fans, but I just noted – Now, it's always funny when you lose a coach, you gain another automatic upgrade. I was poking fun at them Uh Gamecock fans, Shane. Well, our buddy Dave Bartu and Adam McClintock, they run uh, what's called Matrix Analytical. They grade all these, the coaches across not only the SEC, but the entire country. I just thought this was pretty interesting, Shane. Tough loss for LSU football as their D-line coach goes to the NFL. Their new staff grade dropped after adding Jimmy Lindsey from South Carolina, and then they followed it up with one more, Shane. On the other side, South Carolina and Shane Beamer, their grade went up with adding their defensive line coach from Tulane Travion Robertson. So, there's evidence, Shane. I'm an idiot. The fans are right. (laughs) South Carolina upgraded. LSU, go ahead and take our man, even though – they're paying him about $800,000 a year. They must think he, Jimmy Lindsey's good, too. But uh, I just thought that was kind of funny. It was kind of the exact opposite of what I said the other day.
1: Yeah, the, and then there's those out there saying, well, computers, you can't really trust them, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, that's the beautiful thing. It's one of those things we're going to look back here in about eight or nine months and we're going to know the answer, you know, yeah. and, and, and a lot of people are going to forget the question. So I, I think this is one of those that's easily going to play out. But, you know, again, too, I, I some people are better fits in different programs. I mean, how many times have we seen a coach – excel at certain places and then it just it blows your mind that they failed at another so sometimes you know we we always try to get these players to fit our system but sometimes you got to have a coaching staff that fits your system so i like to be optimistic and this may be an upgrade on both parts well shana i mean
0: half of south carolina excuse me half of Georgia's coaching staff got fired at south carolina it seems like so (laughs) i I mean that goes exactly to your point just because you know it didn't work out somewhere else doesn't mean it's not gonna work out at their new spot absolutely i mean look at Bama.
1: Uh, look at the 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 rehab facility coach nick saban has created and yep. you know so he's he's took in a, a couple of these bad apples you know nurtured them got them back on their feet and then they go out there and run another power five conference uh team so i think you know it, it's just again it could be situational
0: for coaching staff mm-hmm. well how about this one real quick shane just because such an important position and we don't know we still don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Auburn Tigers but for the second time our guy T.J. Finley hitting the transfer portal yeah. started at LSU then at Auburn so he is not going to be the starting quarterback because he ain't going to be there anymore he's he's <laughs> graduated from Auburn he's taken off and um, it's my understanding Shane I thought graduate transfers you know, there's a rule where you can't transfer from one SEC school to another. I thought if you were a graduate, you, you still could, but apparently the graduates can't either. So, hmm. T.J. Finley, wherever he's going to end up is not going to be in the SEC, so we can kind of scratch at least one name off that Auburn quarterback competition list.
1: Well, yeah, I, I I was under the impression you could. So that, that kind of surprises me as well. Not that he would have landed at another SEC school, uh, but, you know, some other Auburn quarterbacks have gone over to different programs and excelled. So, I mean, Bo Nix, I saw a list coming out. You know, they're projecting him a top five pick next year, and and we were ready to bury his ass when he was at Auburn. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, sometimes maybe a a little change of scenery is going to be good for TJ. I always like TJ. I really have – yeah. It felt like he was his back was up against the wall. He was required to perform immediately as a young kid, and and just really, I I feel like he hasn't had the opportunity to grow. So I hope wherever he lands, he he gets uh you know gets a little bit of that that coach up, and and maybe finds himself on NFL
0: you know one one Sunday. Mm-hmm. And we got two little nuggets here from Arkansas shades. And and both of them, unfortunately, are bad news here. Their corner, sophomore cornerback, emerging player Quincy McAdoo, the team announced here on Tuesday, involved in a sounds like a serious car accident. Shane, oh, non, man. The, the good news is non-life threatening. So this is not, you know, it could be significantly worse, but it doesn't sound good, Shane. He, he's in stable condition, recovering. And they say their sole focus is on Quincy and his recovery. But that's something to monitor because this is an emerging player for, for Arkansas. Uh, so just yeah. thoughts and prayers to Quincy and his family. But I uh, uh, hate to see it. And, and of course, we'll keep everyone updated on, on what's to come. But they just put that out there. It's, it's pretty vague. They're not releasing any more information than that. But uh, just something to monitor there in Fayetteville.
1: Yeah, it's that's that's terrible news, Mike. And you know, you, you get so wrapped up in a football and sometimes you forget that there's some things that are more important and and I wish him uh, a, a safe and healthy recovery and you know, be with his family in this time of need. I'm sure if you get anything, Mike, you're gonna retweet it or see it out there any any way you guys can support or, or send Arkansas some love. So I hope he uh I hope he does well soon. Yeah. And in
0: a much less Serious news, but still unfortunate for the Razorbacks. You remember, it was just uh, nine days ago, and we, we touched on this. They added a North Texas tight end transfer. And I said, All name team, Varkies, Gums.
2: <laughs>
0: Apparently, the best tight end North Texas ever produced. Commit to the Razorbacks. Well, nine days later, he's decommitted. So, oh. I. I wish expl- I'd never mentioned his name on this show, you know. Jeez, <laughs> oh, North Texas, just another one, another shot. I I hate that program. <laughs> but all right, Shane. Like I was uh, teasing earlier, man, these callers, these callers are helping us get through the off season, Shane. So we'll get to our interview with Zach Goodall here in just a moment, but we got to kick it over to the caller line, some outstanding calls. And, again, that number, if you want to be on the show, if you want a question, a comment, concern, or if you just want to vent at us, the number is 615-965-5152. And you can find that in the show notes. We'd love to have some uh, some great questions here because we need it to get through the offseason. But let's get to well, – right before we get to them, This because this is all ties together – Brian Kelly, of course, LSU coach. He was down there at uh, the Houston Touchdown Club, according to uh, Brent Zernerman here, Shane, on Tuesday. This is what he had to say. I love the environment of a college stadium. I love coming out on that field. I love beating Alabama. (laughs) You know, he's hyping up the crowd and all that. So they're, they're they're feeling good there on Death Valley. Let's kick it over to our first caller, Edward from Tulsa, who he's got a bold prediction for them LSU
2: Tigers. Hey, 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 guys. This is Edward Barnes from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I just want to say, with everybody searching for a quarterback, Alabama, Georgia, LSU is going to win the national championship this year out of the SEC. Don't nobody else have a good quarterback like us right now. Daniels is going to do the job. Now, KJ Jefferson is doing his thing, you know, but LSU is going to win the championship this year. Bet your last dollar on it. That's my prediction. Y'all have a, be- a great day.
0: All right, Shane, so Edward is <laughs> picking LSU to win it all. This is actually not the first time I've heard someone, you know, make this prediction, Shane. The expectations sky high. Under Brian Kelly, and he exceeded expectations year one. Mm -hmm. I'm not sitting here saying that I'm predicting LSU to win the national championship, but it's not really that far fetched, is it? No, I I mean, no, it's
1: not. I, I, I think they were further along last year than we expected, you know, especially toward the tail end of that season. But, you know, when I look at that team, I see an improved offensive line, I see an improved defense. Uh, quarterback improved. I I mean, short of the wide receivers, I guess maybe that's one of the arguments. The special teams, you better pray to God that they're better, you know, and if they could put all that together, man, that's a perfect recipe. You made it to an SEC championship last year. How can you not win it all this year? So, yeah, I am high on LSU myself.
0: Now, on the other end of the spectrum, I got more LSU thoughts in just a second here, Shane, but I want to kick it over to Tanner from Morristown, Tennessee. That's where I come from. That's right. That's where I ate lunch, or just ate lunch, (laughs) me and him. We vented over this, talking about how bad LSU's going to (laughs) be. Tanner's a Tennessee fan. He's trying to figure out why in the heck are so many people, us included, high on LSU. Let's kick it over to Tanner. Hey, guys. It's Tanner from
2: Morristown, Tennessee. Um, I'm just curious, why are we so high on LSU? I know they're returning Jaden Daniels, and, you know, he did good, but, From a Tennessee fan, you know, I just think about last year, how we went to Death Valley and whooped them. It's kind of hard for me to, like, get behind this LSU train the way that everybody else in the country seems like they are. So, if y'all don't mind just, like, kind of explaining it for me. I don't know. I kind of – I'm kind of second-guessing them a little bit. I don't think they're going to be as good compared to Georgia – or Tennessee. Um, but that's just me. I don't know. Maybe that's just, you know, as cousin Shane will say, you know, me bleeding orange, but I don't know. But y'all keep it up.
0: All right, Shane. So I think, I just thought this was a great question because, hey, he's got a perfectly, uh, you know, logical sentiment here. Tennessee whooped them down in Baton Rouge. I mean, that was. It was not even a competitive game, I would say. I mean, Tennessee basically well, dominated it from the opening kickoff. Yes, yes, and no, Mike.
1: I mean, if you go back to that game, uh, obviously scoreboard, you're gonna say the Vols just killed killed LSU, right? But you got to remember, this is early LSU. There there was a tale of two halves with this team, and this was a team that felt like when Tennessee was playing just quite didn't have their shit together uh, there was flashes there was moments where you're like, uh oh, they're about to get back into this, only to find out, you know, maybe a gamble uh, that that Brian took. He took a lot of gambles during this game, and and they really yeah. every one of them just about came back and bit him. So, yeah, um, when I if you circle back around and watch that game again, there were flashes, there were moments, and those moments got corrected throughout the season. So I guarantee you this right now, Mike, if Tennessee would have played LSU the final week of the year, I'm not saying LSU would have beat them. But I'm saying it would have been a better game. It definitely would have been played at night, you know because the l s u you know buzz was a going, and, yeah. and they would have they would have flexed this thing to a night game and and who knows what would have happened but but yeah, this was a team that just grew
0: up in front of our eyes, yeah I agree with everything you just said, Shane, and you know you got to go back to last season. Tennessee was so efficient on offense that they were mm-hmm. forcing opponents. To basically get out of where their comfort zone, because they knew, unless they're playing George's defense, they do. Tennessee was going to put up 35, like minimum. I mean, they were averaging yeah. like damn near 50 points per game. So you can't be conservative. You got to go for it. You got to you got to force the issue. Fourth down is all, unless it's fourth and long or you're deep on your own side. You you almost have to go for it because Hand and Hooker. And those receivers and running backs and offensive line, they're going to put points on the board. So you had to play them different. Uh, But I do want to say this, because Tanner, I I don't think he would have any idea of this, Shane, because he's a Tennessee fan. He probably doesn't cover or or follow LSU that closely. But Brian Kelly took a ton of heat after that game, Shane, and the main reason why Harold Perkins, they did not play him hardly at all in that Tennessee game. And he come out later and said, well, you know, we we just weren't comfortable putting him on the field with uh, the way Tennessee runs their their offense. And, man, the fans, Great. the media, they, they destroyed him for that. And he wisely made a correction. And yeah. if you don't know Harold Perkins, and, again, Tennessee fans, maybe they've not caught enough of him yet. I do not think it's that bold a comment to say he could be the best player in college football. Like, mm-hmm. he is that caliber of an athlete, off the edge, linebacker for LSU. They unleashed him. That was the key difference in beating Alabama, in my opinion. He basically single handedly won them the Arkansas game. Yeah. He is just a monster, and he's only a sophomore. So that's one mm-hmm. of the reasons that I'm so high on LSU. And I think Jaden Daniels, Shane, I think we cannot underestimate the progression a quarterback can make in a year two of the same system remember he transferred in and you know he was great at times last year it took a little while to get going but i think if he takes that year two jump he could be the best quarterback not only in the sec but the entire country and heck shane if it doesn't work out with him We probably got the best backup quarterback in the SEC in Garrett Nussmeyer. So I'm I'm fully confident that we got a strong quarterback room there in Death Valley. They've returned 81% of the offensive production. That's number two in the entire SEC. That's another reason to like them. Defensive lineman Mason Smith, they were saying all fall camp, this guy's far and away our best player. He was lost for the season in the season opener. He hurt his knee against Florida State. He's back to 100%, so you're adding that to the defense. Uh, They may have the best offensive line in the SEC, Shane. They had to start two true freshmen at the offensive tackle position. It was a train wreck to start, but by the end of the year, that thing was a strength, so those guys are just sophomores now. That's another reason I like them. Number two transfer portal class in the entire country. LSU signed, and you got to remember this is not like some roster that's depleted and they need all these game breakers. But they were able to add some depth, some experience via the transfer portal, including uh, Omar Spates, who I hear is one of the best linebackers in the Pac-12. Now he's sitting there next to Harold Perkins. He yeah. was a team captain for Oregon State, which won ten games last year. All that uh, they added a all SEC freshman Denver Harris from Texas A&M to hopefully lock down the number one corner spot there is just a lot to like about lsu and i would even say shane their opener against florida state i think that is the perfect type of game to make sure that your team is not you know reading their press clippings you know if they come out and open against southeast louisiana whatever they would maybe not be as focused as they would be opening the season in Orlando against a Florida state team that some are billing as a top 10 opponent. I think that's the perfect recipe to keep his team locked in all off season. Uh, I I'm very high on LSU. <laughs> just, well, apparently
1: just crown them, Mike crown them already. <laughs> Jeez, you big LSU Homer. No, you, you made some good points. And, uh, I, uh, and, and through that, I, I was thinking of a few things, uh, You know, you're talking about Nussmeyer. I guarantee, oh, uh, oh, Hugh Freeze has sent up a few of them carrier pigeons up there to his room saying, Hey, if you don't like your current situation, you can come over here to the plains and start now, you know? Yep,
0: no doubt. All right, Perkins land
1: an NIL deal with Perkins yet? I mean, that that seems like that's teed (laughs) up nicely. You know, he's my second favorite Perkins. Uh, Chicken tender melt. Have you ever had it? They need to switch it to LSU. Uh, Yeah, so anyway. Sorry, I started thinking about food again, Mike.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right, last one, Shane. Really good question from Cody from Indianapolis. Let's kick it over to his question.
2: What's up, Cousins? This is uh, Cody Thompson calling in from Indianapolis, Indiana. I um, moved up here from for work, uh, originally from Little Rock, Arkansas. So, uh, woo pig. been listening to you guys for a long time now. I think I originally started whenever old Sand Pittman was hired uh, to coach them hogs. So, going on, I guess, three, four years now. Um, my question for you guys is, with this upcoming expansion of the college football playoffs, which of the going to be six 16 SEC teams um, maybe disregarding Alabama and Georgia because they're always going to be one of those teams competing for uh, a college football playoff, which of the remaining of the remaining six or 14 teams, do you guys think will have a consistent path or will be in the playoffs consistently in the future? I look forward to hearing your guys' answers. Thank you. All right, Shane, so
0: simple. simply put here, which SEC teams will be in the playoff mix in the 12-team format is what he's talking about. And he said yeah. consistently. So he didn't exactly say what he's meaning by that, but the way I took it, Shane, every two years you're in the 12-team playoff. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, yeah. I think every –
1: Well, at least close to it. One of those bubble teams, you know, that's always going to be near that top 12 spot.
0: Um, Right. Makes perfect sense to me. I did this in kind of tears. I don't know how you wanted to do it, Shane, but I think, two. I mean, if you don't put these on the list, your list is irrelevant, and that is, of course, Georgia and Alabama. Yeah. I assume you agree, and and would you put anyone else in that mix?
1: No, no. I, I think right now, today, uh, you got to have Georgia. You got to have Alabama up there toward the top. They're kind of in a league of their own, right? So the next
0: tier down, Shane, this is—they should always be in there. But you know, crazy things happen. But again, I'm not assuming crazy things are happening from here on out with Brian Kelly. Only team on this tier is LSU. They—they they should be in that. No excuse not to be. But they've not earned that. To be on Alabama in Georgia's tier, in, at least in my opinion, would you agree yeah. with that?
1: Well, you know, if we're doing tiers, and I like, I like that you are. I think that's a better, better way here to put this. Uh, there's a couple that that to me can can h- kind of hover in this second round. LSU clearly going to be one of those teams, a team that's been in the natty several times. Mm-hmm. But you know, what I'm thinking in the future, Mike, it's going to come down to money. Um, so, are we including any of the Texas teams, Oklahoma? Because I would put Texas yes. in there. I'm telling you, brother, go with me. Texas A&M. Uh, they These haven't teams. won the Big 12 in about a dozen years, Shane. Yeah, but, but Mike, you're you're able to do things now with this yeah. NIL and, and being in that's the true. SEC. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm talking future here. I'm not talking, you know, last 20 years. But it's a team that's still going to hover around – that 12th spot. You're going to have the Texas teams, Texas, Texas A&M. The only other one that I may consider here is Auburn. You know, Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that, that they've not been in that boat is because they've always had one of the toughest schedules. But that all changes when we go to 16. You know, you're going to still probably have Georgia and Alabama, but there's still going to be two lost teams making it to that 12 spot. Auburn's got a lot of money, a lot of commitment to winning down there. Not that these other programs don't. But if I'm picking a second tier, give me the Texas, teams give me auburn and
0: give me lsu Mm. okay well basically all those teams are my next tier shay this the tier i say these programs have the potential to be in this playoff mix on an annual to semi-annual basis auburn you just mentioned them Mm -hmm. florida i think you gotta throw them i I realize down right now but they have all the potential Tennessee, I'm surprised you didn't go there. They, I think they should be in that, that discussion. Texas A&M, you know, let's fire Jimbo. Let's get a qualified coach in there. We'll move you up to Tier 2 probably. Yeah. Uh, and then Oklahoma and Texas, even though I was giving you a hard time about it. But, yeah, I mean, I think those programs right there, there's – Almost no excuse to not be in that yeah. mix on an annual to semi-annual basis. They have everything you want. You, you talk about the finances, the fans, the history, everything. Uh, mm-hmm. All those teams should be in that mix on a semi-annual basis, in my opinion. Do you have an issue with any of those? Auburn, Florida, well, t- Tennessee, A&M, Oklahoma, and Texas.
1: Yeah, my list is – I mean, our list is a little bit different at this point. And and when I'm thinking of this third tier, I'm thinking about teams – that are going to always find their way into a top 25, and that could be just about any of these guys, Mike. Uh, When I'm looking at Tennessee, that's obviously a choice for me. Florida Gators, you know, had some rough years, but they're not going to stay down there forever. A team like Arkansas, Kentucky's Bounce, Oklahoma. Yeah, any of those can at, at any point. And as long as Lane Kiffin's in Ole Miss, hell, you could even factor them in. So, yeah, top 25 teams at this point, Mike, I think it's – I just think there's – it's honestly about four or five tiers when I'm looking at it, and this is where the bulk of the SEC teams are going to rank. They're going to pop up. They'll be one of those teams pop up every four or five years and have an opportunity to get
0: into uh, the college football playoff. Mm. So, my final tier here, Shane, and and these teams I think every three to four years should be in discussion for a playoff spot, and – Maybe maybe if you're Cody, maybe that qualifies you to be consistent. But I, I'm thinking, again, every three to four years, South Carolina, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Kentucky, and Missouri. So basically the entire damn league short of Vanderbilt. Yeah. But here's the thing, Shane, and even if you're down here and you're saying, well, that ain't right, we're, we're better than that, I may agree with you because I've said it many times, Shane, and I will continue to say it, the SEC, with Texas and Oklahoma, I realize some people are scared it's going to be too tough. I'm looking at exact opposite. These programs that are maybe historically towards the bottom of the SEC, they are going to be risen above basically anybody in the country. And we're already seeing yeah. it with the transfer portal, with NIL. Uh, hell, we, SEC dominates recruiting and NFL draft. I mean, are you going to go to Iowa State? Or are you going to go to Missouri? You're going to go to Missouri, where it's basically the NFL, yeah. you know, mini NFL. Are you going to go to even a Clemson, where they play one game a year? Or are you going to go to South Carolina? I think you're going to go to South Carolina, and that's across the board. So these teams have the potential to bump into that, you know, every other year category. Yeah. But for me, I I would put them in a three to four. You know, you got to get the right quarterback. You catch fire, maybe you got some seniors. No excuse. The rest of the SEC can't get in the top 12. We're just talking top 12 here, Shane. Every three to four years, you should be in that top 12. Uh, basically, the entire rest of the league, short of Vanderbilt,
1: that's it, man. It's the it's the future of college football. You know, the Big Ten they're shaping up. We're shaping up. You know, there's going to be your ACC teams pop up, your Pac-10 teams pop up. There'll always be one or two of those guys. But I think annually in this in this conference, we're going to have at least three to four, maybe even five. Don't be. I mean, I'm just telling you. You know, when you lose just two to three of these these sec games, you know, you're going to make a case why they should be in the college football playoffs. So looking at your helmets there, you got 16, so I could take four, of those guys and put them into the college football playoffs. So everyone has an opportunity. It's not I mean, how many times has Mississippi State been top 12? You know, how many times has has Arkansas been a top 12 team or 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 Kentucky a top 12 team? You know, so you're going to make that argument that they should be in the college football playoffs and they're going to get in. They are going to yep. get in because we see what happens when you don't have SEC teams? You get games like the TCU Georgia, and nobody wants to watch. So, they want to sell tickets. Mike, we want entertained. You do that by getting as many SEC teams in there as possible. So, we're talking twenty five percent of the league will be going to this conference champion or the uh, the uh, tournament every single year. So, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for these dudes. Oh yeah. All right, buddy. I let's can feel keep- it now already, man. <laughs> Catch you, man. Just I, how many people are going to be so pissed off that you're not the fifth team in the in the college football playoffs? You know, we always complain about the the fifth and the sixth trying to get into that top four. You know, there, I could see the the thirteens and the fourteens saying, "But damn, we didn't lose to Wake
0: Forest," you know. <laughs> All right, buddy, uh, let's kick it over. We teased it enough. Zach Goodall from the All Gators, talking some Florida football. I felt like I owed this one to the fans, Shane, after bashing them for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> All right, we're pleased to be joined once again by Zach Goodall. You know him from All Gators, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Covers, of course, the Florida Gators. We got to connect with Zach at SEC Media Days, and cousin Shane gave him the nickname, the man with the golden locks, Zach, thank you so much for joining the show once again. I really appreciate it.
3: Absolutely, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, we were talking about it before the show, but I think since the last time I was on the show, my hair is uh, honestly doubled in length. <laughs> so I'm very, uh, honestly, I'm curious to see where it's at in two and a half months when we link back up in Nashville.
0: Yeah, no, that should be a good time, man. Well. Uh, I do want to ask you a lot about spring football, but we just had the NFL draft, so that's kind of fresh on everybody's mind. The Gators had six players selected, and of course, Anthony Richardson, number four overall. Um, after you know watching uh, the team and Anthony Richardson intimately the last season, are you surprised at all that he went number four? I mean, at any point you're watching him, did you say this is a top five pick in the NFL draft? What, what was your reaction to that?
3: I mean, as crazy as it sounds, yeah, absolutely. I thought going back to last spring when I first started seeing him that he had the potential at the very least to be a, a top five, top 10 pick. Just from what you see, what the NFL wants in its passers nowadays is just not only being a passer, but being a dynamic rusher, being much bigger than small, unless you're a special one of a kind quarterback like a like a Bryce Young, like a Kyler Murray, Drew Brees Uh, But they want to see these guys that are 6'4", 240 and can run all over the place, not to mention be able to throw the ball 80 yards. Uh, And that's what Anthony Richardson does. It obviously didn't come together at Florida. I mean, we remember after the Utah game, I think we talked before the Kentucky game, and I I was drinking the Kool-Aid. There there were Heisman odds out there for the guy, and it it made sense because – Florida players or Florida fans, excuse me, hadn't seen a quarterback talent like that before. Even Tim Tebow, as dynamic as he was, you know, he wasn't the upper echelon athlete that literally broke as many records as he could, I guess, at the NFL combine like Anthony Richardson. It was just, it was unheard of. It was unseen. And that's why he went this high. Ultimately, you know, we're going to look back in a few years and maybe Florida will have found success under Billy Napier. Maybe it won't. And if it's the latter, we're going to be looking at Anthony Richardson. If he's got as much as even a little bit of success at the NFL level, we're going to sit back and wonder, you know, why did that go to waste here? Why, why did that go six and seven and lose to Vanderbilt? You know what I mean?
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you went there because that was my next question with six players drafted. um, You know, it's fair to say, you know, clearly not the best roster in the SEC, but far from the worst. Um, What's the general buzz right now in Gainesville? Is it that, Napier kind of didn't get the most out of, the, out of these players or that uh, uh, I don't know what what's the buzz that you're sensing from the Florida fan base
3: yeah I think it really depends on who you talk to I mean from a media perspective with what we get to see of spring practice you know we, we really only get to see routes on air one-on-ones and simulated situations so like I couldn't sit here and tell you where the team is genuinely better or worse other than just purely looking at box scores and and what I saw out of these players last year, whether they were at Florida or elsewhere. Um, But again, yeah, you, you look at this draft list, six guys drafted, including a top five quarterback where, you know, he's all boom or bust. He's the guy that we're going to look back on. um, As I said earlier, Um, German Dexter, similar, a a guy who didn't really meet his five-star ceiling here, but was a second round pick because teams think that there's a lot left. uh, That's not been, you know, tapped yet. That's not been figured out. Um, Osiris Torrance is a bragging right for this staff, no doubt, just what he was able to do at Louisiana and, and did here, um, in the rest of those picks, you know, some were flyers on potential, some were based on what they've proven over the years. They had another four undrafted guys sign contracts out of their 11 total prospects. So it's, it, it fans are, they have mixed emotions because the thought process when Billy Napier came in was that this roster was just not in Florida shape. It wasn't an sec shape. And a lot will give him the benefit of the doubt, rightfully so. He committed to coming in and flipping this roster no matter what was here, what was expected to come through, what had been here. Uh, he committed to, to to bringing in the players that fit his vision. And we're ultimately going to see in 2023 what that looks like because we are now well over, uh, in terms of the 85-man roster, well over 50% of it is players that Napier has brought in.
0: Now, after spring, I, I love to put out my uh... – Updated post spring SEC power rankings, and I got Florida number twelve. If, if memory serves right, the only teams I got higher, or, or excuse me, lower, Auburn and Vanderbilt. And uh, you quote tweeted me. I'm going to read the entire tweet here. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> what was that a reaction to? You think Florida's a lot better? You, I don't know. What? What's your? Do you agree? I mean, what's your thoughts on right now? And and, and just so you're aware, my power rankings, how I kind of do it. If team A were to meet team B on a neutral field, who's going to win that game? That's the only metric I use. So what's your thoughts on Florida being number 12 in the SEC right now?
3: Yeah, it wasn't necessarily in disagreement whatsoever. It's more of like a damn, I'm 24, 25 years old and I can't think of one time in my life where Florida's ever been outside of the top 10 in a preseason right. uh ranking list. But you make a valid point. I mean, you could reasonably argue that just based off of last year alone, Florida and Vanderbilt could swap spots. Now you can make that argument with other teams in Florida as well in games that Florida won, but Vanderbilt handled Florida last year convincingly. You know, this is just not the team that Florida fans had grown accustomed to over the years. I mean, it kind of sounds like beating a dead horse. Everyone says this is not, you know, your father and mother's Florida Gators football team anymore. But at the end of the day, it's what Billy Napier committed to. So uh, I wrote plenty last year that it was going to be a rough year. This was just what they had signed up for. They they committed to a seven-year contract with Billy Napier, understanding that at least that first year, maybe that second year is truly going to be a flipping, a purging of the roster. And number 12 in the SEC entering year two, you know, it that can be a product of it, without a doubt. It, it makes sense, and and I'm sure they're inspired, and I'm sure the internal thought is that they're going to be better than number twelve in the SEC. Maybe these thirty some player acquisitions, scholarship player acquisitions, will make them, you know, rank well above that when the time comes. But I I can't argue, I I really can't at this point.
0: So exiting spring Zach everything you've seen from and heard and reported from Graham Mertz and Jack Miller if you had to make a guess on who starts week 1 if it's I assume it's going to be one of those two guys which which way would you lean right now and again we're recording you know early May here
3: Yeah I think I'd go with Mertz uh, only because as of his experience I mean from what we could see in spring practice um you know, paired with what you hear, you know, behind the scenes, uh, talking to people in the building. I don't think either of the quarterbacks really, you know, gained any, you know, they they weren't further ahead than the other in terms of what they were putting on the field necessarily. It was pretty even, um, which, you know, can be cause for concern. Maybe Florida fans read that as, you know, these guys are both solid and pushing each other. That's up to you guys. But one way or another, like, they they don't have a guy solidified at this point, and I think if anything, if there's no one edging the other one out in terms of what they're putting on the field, they're just going to go with the guy that started for three years uh, in the Big Ten. You know, obviously had his share of ups and downs, but won some games, had some promising moments, and they, ultimately I would think that'll give him the better chance to win. is just someone that's been there, done that, understands the scheme. And that's what they've credited him for. Uh, They don't really say too much about his physical talent around here, but they say since the day he got in here, uh, he's been first one in, last one out in the classroom, uh, helping teammates get better. Even though he's a new member of the scheme, he's already helping players gain a better comfort uh, within it, with him at quarterback. So with that in mind, I would think that he's probably got the upper hand.
0: Any surprise that they've not added Another quarterback, or is that kind of anticipated after both guys essentially transferred in, although one is a year removed, or or maybe not surprised because really, when you look at the market, there's not a lot of there's not no A quarterback sitting there, you know?
3: Yeah, I um, you know, going back to December, uh, Billy Napier said when Anthony Richardson first declared, uh, it was just a talking point at that time. Uh, there was the Jalen Kitna situation and Marcus Stokes situation. So the, the room was a bit in flux, but there was no anticipation of a Jaden Rashada situation of a Graham Mertz transfer. Bottom line, long story short, at that time, Billy Napier said he'd like four scholarship quarterbacks on his team at all times, maybe even five. Uh, right now they have three and they've said, I mean, I've asked Billy Napier a couple times in press conferences. If, if the goal is to get that fourth before the season starts And originally it was, you know, it seemed full steam ahead. Yes, we plan on trying to get someone from the transfer portal. We'll go from there. Uh, We get to the end of spring and Billy Napier is asked the same question after the spring game. And he gives a bit of a different answer. Uh, It's April 13th. It's before the transfer portal window opens. And he says the process of trying to find a fourth scholarship quarterback had already begun. That makes me think it may not be a transfer. And at this point, you know, you pair that with, like you said, there really aren't many options out there that are truly better than what you've got in Graham Mertz or, or Jack Miller at this point, it, would it be a waste to bring in someone, especially if they have multiple years of eligibility, would it be a wasted roster spot down the line to bring in a transfer? I, I'm just not too sure. Uh, and with that in mind, you know, unless we see a grad transfer pop up post transfer portal window, uh, I just don't think there's anyone out there that's worthwhile. And therefore I just don't think they'll bring one in. I think they'll, they'll stick with what they have maybe maybe get a a reclassification from their 2025 commit Austin Simmons only because he's a high school graduate. Basically he's, he's finished his high school classes. It technically is possible, although not guaranteed, but otherwise I just don't, I don't see any actual legitimate options for them to do that at this point.
0: Mm. Well, to your credit, Zach, uh, when we did meet at sec media days, because I'm an idiot, I had Florida second on my uh, sec East ballot and, and you were not alone, but you were probably the most uh, taken aback by that. And you said, you know, I, I think you said Gators should around seven, six, seven, eight win. So you, you nailed it on that uh, aspect. So given that you nailed it previously, and I, and I know a lot can change, you know, what do you think is a realistic win total for the Gators this year with a difficult schedule, trip to Utah, Florida State on the rise, um, I mean I I have said this a couple of times and I don't I'm not trying to sound hot takeish here, but I think they could be an underdog in seven, maybe even eight games. I don't think that's that's going too far. That's not to say they'll surely they'll not lose all those games, but um I don't know. What's what's a realistic win total you think for the Gators, knowing what we know right now?
3: I, I tend to agree with you. You know, you look at what this team was last year, um, and, and yes, there have been a lot of changes to the roster. There's reason to be inspired with the defense improving. But, you know, you you look at a quarterback battle that can't be edged out in spring, and ultimately someone's replacing the number four pick in the draft. Hopes just aren't super high. And, and there are other positions too. Wide receivers undermanned. And it just lost a starting receiver to the portal in Xavier Henderson. Uh, other positions have lost uh, experience. And, and it's part of that flip. It goes back to... You got to understand that this is what Billy Napier was always going to do, whether it works or not, that this is going to happen. But as a result, you know, no one can really be blamed if the expectations are low entering this year. And I've done this exercise a few times pre-spring, post-spring. And every time I do it, I come away with a range of roughly anywhere from five and seven to seven and five. Uh, And it changes by the day. It changes by your feel for different teams. But yeah, that, that opening trip, two-pack 12 country i mean last time florida did that they granted uh, undermanned roster but they lost 30 to 3 in the las vegas bowl to oregon state so i can't bet on them to go and go over to the west coast and win another game like that uh tennessee even though it's at home that's a team we saw rise significantly last year i would have to pick tennessee as a favorite now florida state's the same way and you can make that argument with a lot of different teams so it, I'll, I'll probably have a better feel, I'm sure, once we get to talk at SEC Media Days as to a more narrowed down prediction. But anywhere in that five to seven win range feels about right for me right now at this time.
0: How big of a surprise was it when Henderson went into the transfer portal? I, I know we got Pierce saw I mean, he's a great player. Just signed a bunch of quality receivers that are making waves uh, in spring, but. It's a dangerous proposition in the SEC to rely on too many freshmen. Uh, how big of a surprise was it that Henderson uh, left the program?
3: Exactly, it, it's got its gives and takes, right? You, you want to see these new receivers that have brought been brought in and have gotten really great reviews. I mean, Caleb Douglas played a role last year as a freshman, got you know some encouraging words about him. Uh, Andy Jean and I, Andy Myzel, Aiden Myzel, excuse me, uh, are two promising freshmen that came, came in, and you want to see that. But at the end of the day, they have eight scholarship wide receivers, including one that's another freshman anticipated to roll this summer. That's just not that that's undermanned. You you, you can't move forward being drastically undermanned at a bunch of different spots. and, And wide receiver is a perfect example of that. Uh, They lost as starting edge rusher Antoine Powell, Ryland Jr. And that's another position where it's similar. You've got three high-profile freshmen. You've got intriguing underclassmen or guys that are supposed to be going into their big year, and and you don't feel as though it was a massive hit. But it absolutely can be. I mean, Antoine Powell and Xavier Henderson were proven players relative to the rest of this roster. It it absolutely can hurt. I am, therefore, I'm still excited to see – what these new players can bring to the table. But in hindsight, we can very easily look back in a few months and say, dang, they, they, they missed out. They lost some talent.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me ask you this now taking uh, Graham Mertz off the board because a quarterback, we assume, you know, he'll have a big impact, but who do you think is a a new Gator could be a transfer, could be a a high school signee that's going to make the biggest impact for Florida next season. And again, not counting Graham Mertz who, if he does start, will make obviously a big impact on the team.
3: Yeah, to give them their credit, I, I do think there are several transfers and freshmen that can make impacts for this team. Now, how great, how how significant? Time will tell just how big of a role they can take on. But Cameron Jackson and Caleb Banks, the two defensive line transfers, respectively from Memphis and Louisville. I would think they'll get first team roles or at the very least a strong percentage of snaps. Uh, Defensive line was a room that was seriously lacking depth last year. Jerron Dexter played way more than he ever should have. Maybe that's why he was only a second round pick because his testing was so good, but his production waned as he just got tired. Um, So I would think those guys can really help this defense as a whole, just by keeping that room fresh. Um, I mean, Offensive line obviously needed help. They, they lost four starters, uh, and they weren't necessarily able to replace all of them. But Micah Mazuka or Mazzuka, excuse me, from Baylor, who has starting experience, uh, Damian George and Keontae Goodwin are battling at right tackle. Uh, at both of them SEC transfers from uh, Alabama and Kentucky. They, they could both reasonably make a huge impact for this offense by stepping in and filling a void there. Among the freshmen, I spoke about the receivers. I think Andy Jean could honestly make a tremendous impact as long as he's got sturdy quarterback play. I've been a fan of his going back to really his junior year of high school. I think he's a sharp route runner, uh, solid size at six foot over 200 pounds as a true freshman and can run well. Uh, I think if any wide receiver or any freshman really on offense for that matter is able to step up, uh, it would be him. Um, And there are a couple other freshmen on both sides of the ball that really could make similar arguments. Uh, Kelby Collins from Alabama, uh, Jakeem Jackson, cornerback from Osceola. There there are quite a few that that Florida is going to need young players and new players to step up immediately. And it's a tall task, especially for freshmen. But to give them their credit, I do think they do have a solid young talent pool that's come in here in the past three to four months.
0: Let me ask you this. What do you think is the biggest uh question that you had about this team entering spring that you think they solved exiting spring?
3: That's a good question because I don't know if anything has been fully solved necessarily, but probably defensive line depth. Uh, I would say that just the presence of those two big bodies uh paired with the the entry of a lot of freshmen uh let's You got those three edge rushers um, and then you should have another, I believe two or three interior defensive linemen that are freshmen on top of the two transfers. They did a lot for that. And granted some players will come along on different paces than others, but Again, Jervon Dexter just played way too much. I think he had like 650 snaps last year. At six foot six, 315 pounds, he just—that's going to wreck your defense. Even though it's just one player and he's a good player, that that will do negatives to your defense if you can't offer him a bit of relief. Um, and, and ultimately, Florida's defense—I think everyone realizes—needs to improve in a lot of ways. That's how it's going to start, just by getting guys onto the field that are fresh and, and keeping the unit fresh at all times.
0: It's similar question. What do you think is the biggest question, Mark, that we just didn't solve in spring camp? And it sounds like there's, there's quite a few of them.
3: I, I think the easiest answer there is, is gotta be quarterback just because again, from, from a literal competition, what we've seen on the field standpoint and granted so much of that is more what you hear because of what we're unable to see as media, but you, I, I genuinely don't have a feel for who is further along in terms of a pure what we've seen in your practice reps, out of Graham Mertz and Jack Miller, and, and they don't have other options. Uh, they're not going to turn to Max Brown, I don't think, the redshirt freshman. Uh, they're not going to turn to a walk on, even if uh, Austin Simmons were to reclassify. You know, he's 17 years old, highly rated as he may be. Obviously, they would never turn to that guy. So you got these two and and you don't know who's going to be your starter by week one compared to last year at this time, Billy Napier was telling everyone that he was getting the best sleep of his life, knowing that Anthony Richardson was his quarterback. It's going to be the biggest question going into even sec media days. I'm sure everyone's going to be asking him, do you have a field? Do you know who your quarterback's going to be?
0: All right, Zach, I really appreciate all your time. Just got one more question for you. I I hate to, to be negative. So let's end on a high note here. Florida is getting a signature win. Billy Napier, he's gonna, he's gonna squash the doubters next fall. He's gonna beat Georgia, LSU, or Florida State. Which one do you think is the most realistic, and which one would the fan base get fired up about the most? And I have to assume that would be Georgia. <laughs>
3: oh without a doubt georgia I'll, <laughs> I, I, imagine imagine they have the year that we're predicting but then all of a sudden they beat georgia like everyone's going to forget every every game before <laughs> that moment ever billy napier is winning this team a national championship the whole nine um of the three that I think are most realistic I'd say florida state you've got them at home um you know of those three teams you could reasonably wonder if florida state is going to Regress a little bit. uh, And you could wonder the same thing about LSU. Did they come out just way too hot last year and catch lightning in a bottle? You're not going to wonder that about Georgia, obviously. Um, And and of those two games, Florida State's going to be the one at home that I think probably has a bit of a weaker roster compared to LSU. So I'd probably say that one. And for Billy's sake, I would hope that he's sprung in a couple of other or sprinkled in a couple of other solid wins along the way to end the season on a high note going into his third off season in charge.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And believe me, Zach, if I'm saying they're going to have a bad year, that's about as guarantee that they're going to have a great year. So Florida fans got that to look forward to before you go. Can you tell everybody where's the best place to find all your work?
3: Yeah. I mean, Full disclosure, maybe I caught lightning in a bottle last year too. I could be I could be totally <laughs> off. Maybe, maybe this this element of surprise they've created by not letting us see too much of practice it, it will end up making me look really dumb. But uh, if you guys want to read about my opinions on the team up until we, we get to see it in action, and obviously well after, you guys can find my work at Zach underscore Goodall on Twitter, spelled Z-A-C-H. Uh, and if you want to find it just a little easier all in one place, go to allgators.com.
0: All right, Shane. So a little bit of a downer interview. <laughs> I was hoping to to yell and scream and call me an idiot, but because uh, I am one. But I'm I'm sensing some upsets after talking to Zach. There, uh, there's no reason we can't end the season on a high note, beating them Seminoles. You know what?
1: Yeah, man. Them Gator fans they they don't get to sit down that low for a while. You know what I'm saying? It, it's yeah. tough, man. Vol fans, we've been there. Georgia fans have been there. Oh, yeah. You know, Alabama fans maybe not so much in this lifetime, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's just about every fan base has gone through the dark years. Hell, look at Arkansas. You know, they yeah. they they're just now starting to see some light. So these programs, you, you know, it's a roller coaster. You're going to have ups and downs. But Georgia's or uh, Florida's not going to stay stay down long, man. And uh they I I think Billy may catch a few people. And I think that's the 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 that's the kind of that's kind of the culture you have to have in that locker room us against the world taking receipts right now. No one believes in us. Everyone doubts us. And then those you know, if you can really get these guys playing as an absolute unit. Yeah, there's going to be some Saturdays. They're going to catch boys off guard. And and I think that's where Florida Gators is at. now they're not going to be there forever. But we're going to enjoy it while they're down there now, Mike. You know, the rest of the fan bases are enjoying it because they all remember the 90s, you know,
0: and nobody (laughs) wanted to play the Gators back then. Yeah, that's right. I just almost did a Sam Pittman there for some reason. But, uh, hey, all right, buddy. So we had a great show here, pushing an hour here. You got anything else before we hop off the line? No man, absolutely. Uh this is a killer killer interview. Glad
1: glad to see uh, all that, that golden hair on TV again, you know. Uh but no, I'm 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 again just excited about uh the, the hotline. Everybody, you know, all our cousins out there. That's what we call you when you call you, you saying, Hey, check out our cousin's phone call. Yep. And uh it's just, it's it's so nice to hear the fans, you know, because honestly, I communicate with a lot of them online and stuff, but I don't, you know, there's some folks that don't get on social media, but they don't mind calling. So, yeah, uh, you got that
0: number one more time, Mike? Yes, sir. 615-965-5152. And that is in the show notes. However you're listening to the show, you should be able to see it there in the notes. But uh, we welcome any and all calls. We've we've been getting a ton of them. We're trying to pick the best ones. and and uh if you've called already we, and we haven't got to you we may get to it tomorrow you know what i'm saying that's
1: right man we've even got a lot of sponsors calls. So i don't know if you guys have been talking to people or something but <laughs> our our message box been filling <laughs> up with people who want to sponsor the show so appreciate you
0: if, if it was you guys but uh but mike that's all i got until tomorrow man all right well i appreciate you as always appreciate each and every one of you and i've course we haven't said it in a while if you made it this far if you wouldn't mind going that extra step giving us a five-star review on the apple podcast spotify subscribe on youtube twitter facebook instagram tiktok all that really helps the show and it won't cost you a dime but that's all i got on this episode we'll catch you on the next one
1: all right see you guys go balls hey buddy